at Vanderbilt. It's Tim Corbin in the Vandy Boys, Jerry Stackhouse on the hardwood, and Clark Lee on the gridiron. Nashville, it's time to sit back, relax, grab a cold one, and enjoy the show. The Music City is our state, and West End is where we rock. You're listening to The Door Report, the premier Vanderbilt podcast for fans who bleed black and gold. Commodore Nation, anchor down. Welcome into the Door Report. It is episode 189. It is a Tuesday night, November the 8th. We are powered by Alaco Finewood Floors, family owned and operated for more than two decades. Alaco Finewood Floors is Nashville and Middle Tennessee's choice for premium quality hardwood floors. Since 1995, Jimmy Alaco and his army of employees have embodied the approach of taking pride in one's craft and providing superior customer service, growing from a one-man shop to a team of 23 professionals who share the founder's passion for quality craftsmanship and customer satisfaction. If you are interested in contacting them, you can find their headquarters at 2505 Winford Avenue over in Berry Hill, or give them a call at 615-356-0303. They also have a website, alacofinewoodfloors.com. Alaco Finewood Floors, serving Middle Tennessee's hardwood flooring needs since 1995. All right, well, this is a basketball episode. Uh, we uh, we're a little bit late, but the season started too early. You gotta you gotta cut us some slack, Vandy fans. Uh, we are just now getting to our 2022-2023 Vandy Hoops season preview, and we've got a game to recap as well. Vanderbilt and Memphis, of course. Memphis got the win. We've got a lot to get to in that game. Will uh, obviously a lot of negatives, but a, f- a few positives here and there. Uh, and it, it is game one, so. You can't overreact, but knowing us, we're going to overreact <laughs> to this game. So, uh, Will, I know uh, I, I was there. I, I'm pretty sure you were there at the game too, right? No. Unfortunately not. Okay. I did not get to go. Unfortunately not. Tickets were too expensive for me to take the gamble that I wasn't going to be out for work in time, even though I do live pretty close. I just couldn't couldn't risk it. If the tickets Dude. are under like 20 bucks, 30 bucks, I'll, I'll do it every time, but they were not under uh we don't have that door report money coming in yeah not not yet well you didn't have to sit through the sauna that was memorial gym that night it was ridiculous how hot it was never had an ac billy no but uh, it's also we've never started the season this early so people talking about you know this is ridiculous it is ridiculous but i don't know that the season has ever started this early and it was like 80 degrees that uh, you know yesterday for most of the day so um not really surprised but i've never been in memorial gym when it was that hot so uh well you weren't there but uh brutal loss i mean i don't know about brutal it's too early to say brutal but it was definitely a tough loss that was not a great showing from vanderbilt yeah the the loss part of it isn't really what I took away from it. The yeah. the outcome in this season for Stackhouse is going to be determined by wins and losses, just to put that out there yeah. early in the podcast. We have said that leading up to this season, and we've mm-hmm. continued to say it. We didn't say that in the past about Stackhouse, uh, and now we're holding him to that standard. So that's just something at the beginning here that going into this game, it's going to be evaluated a little bit differently than our other basketball recaps have been. But it was really the lack of identity early. 
And I know it's early. There's new faces. You don't have Scottie Pippen Jr. Uh, but the first immediate reaction from the starting lineup is, is this team experienced or are they a young team yes. that has talented freshmen building for the future? And Stack by no means answered that question in any way uh, with his post-game comments. So I'm still sitting here way more confused after actually <laughs> seeing this team in a regular season game than I was going into the season. Thoroughly uh, disappointed and confused is an early statement that I would use here. I, I would agree. I think Stack said we're young, but we're talented. Uh, and then he said at the end, he said, we've also got some experienced guys. So I, I'm confused too. Will, I was very confused, just not the effort, but just the lack of offense and lack of really anything offensively. And, you know, we know the defense struggled at times, but uh, Memphis is a good team too. We'll, we'll talk about that whole game and we'll get to a season preview. Well, before we get to that though, don't forget to follow us on Twitter. If you're listening, that's at door underscore report. We've got Instagram, door.report, like us on Facebook, subscribe to our YouTube channel. Our podcast is available on Anchor, iTunes, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. And while you're at it, give our podcast five stars and review on iTunes. All right, let's get to the Memphis recap and the season preview. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. No matter what style you're going for, you can trust your flooring job to Alaco Fine Wood Floors. Take a walk through the woods in your home every day. Get your flooring job started today by calling 615-356-0303. Alaco Fine Wood Floors. Craftsmanship you can stand on. All right, well, let's get into it. I, I'm I'm excited to, to just talk about this and what we saw. I know it's just one game but I was ready to get on here with you and just kind of recap this game and, and uh, you know, talk about what we saw. Uh, obviously, uh, Memphis ended up winning 76-67 inside Memorial Gym. Ended up being somewhat of a respectable final score, but Memphis controlled the entire game. I mean, that they, they were up 15, 20 points for most of that game. Vanderbilt cut it to, I think, eight was the closest they cut it to, and they cut it to 10, I think, another time. But uh, you really never felt like Vanderbilt w was, was going to – you know, was going to get back into the game. I mean, they really didn't ever get into the game, and they started really slow. Um, well, but right now, Memphis is simply better. I mean, they're, they're a better team right now. Maybe later in the season we rethink it, but right now Memphis is a, is the better team. They're more physical. They're more athletic, and they appear to be the better shooting team. I mean, they, they're a deep team. They looked like a top 25 team, at least last night, quite frankly. I mean, that's what they looked like. Now, I think Vanderbilt, that was a lot of what Vanderbilt did, um, but Memphis is a very good team. I'm not – I'm not – you know, I'm not looking at this game saying, oh, Memphis is a good team. They're a great team. No excuses. There are excuses for this one. Um, you know, it, or there aren't excuses for this one. But, <laughs> Will, I, I sit there and, and and say that, you know, the way it started was just so stark. I mean, you look at it and, and you know, being in the gym, it was, it was kind of eerie. Like, what is going on? I mean, you really couldn't put a finger on it. Obviously, they couldn't put the ball in the basket. Um, that was the main thing. But – at the same time, Will, the, the starting five was interesting, too. We didn't see Liam in the starting five. Uh, you didn't. You really only saw two, maybe one score. I mean, you didn't – I mean, there wasn't much offense in, in that starting five. And throughout the game, Will, 
you didn't see the experienced guys playing. <laughs> the, the freshmen played most of the game. I mean, you saw a lot of Colin Smith, a lot of uh, Malik Dia. Not saying those guys played bad at all. They actually played pretty well, I thought. Um, but, you know, when you're playing freshmen against an experienced, deep Memphis team the way they are and how athletic they are, it's probably not going to go well. And it didn't go well. So it, it was just weird. Well, I, I, I don't really know how to put a finger on it other than, you know, bottom line, they couldn't put the ball in the basket. But I think there's deeper issues here. I mean, I really do. I, I, I There's not. At least last night, there's not a go-to score. Jordan Wright wasn't that. You know, coming into the season, we said Jordan Wright has to be that. He has to be that go-to scorer. He has to be that guy. But he wasn't. And and I think similar to last year with Scottie Pippen, when he struggled, you know, Vanderbilt wasn't – they are not. They weren't winning. And it might be the same story this year with Jordan Wright, but coming into the season, we thought they were deeper. You know, we thought they were deeper than just Jordan Wright struggles. This team is losing. So – well, I just – I can't put a, a true finger on it. I mean, they shot just 41% from the field. They were 12 for 30 from three-point range. Most of those came late in the game, though, so it was really probably technically worse than that. Um, I thought Ty- Tyron Lawrence was the really the only bright spot. He had 14 points. But, I mean, they turned the ball over. Silly just dropped passes, too. So, uh, well, obviously it's the first game, but there were some glaring, glaring things that happened, and you sit there kind of scratching your head, especially for the people there. Um, I mean, the fans and the students just really never had anything to to really get behind and cheer for. I mean, it, it was that's that's really what it was. I think I, I probably view this game and the players' performances differently than than you do, and a lot of people uh, that watch that game, and that's fine. I think you you have differences in opinion because I think a, a lot of what you just said, I kind of view the opposite. Uh, I view that Stackhouse started the lineup with only or started the game with only experienced players in the lineup, uh, clearly setting up the team for failure, having three guys on the court that cannot consistently score uh, from the outside and Tyron Lawrence, Quentin Melora Brown uh, and Ezra Mignon. The only guy that can really consistently shoot and make the defense get out of help in that entire lineup is Miles Studi because uh, they're still going to guard Jordan Wright as a driver and a slasher. This team got down and had six points at the 10-minute mark, I believe, or the 11-minute yeah. mark of that first half. And that was all with experienced guys, including uh, Ansong. I think I'm pronouncing that correctly. Yeah. I really hope who played his yeah, tail are. off. Yeah, he played but really not, well. But he, he is very athletic, but he is a role player. He's not an offensive scorer. Uh, the When this team had success was when Colin Smith and – regardless of you know some moments that he had when Malik Dia was in there, when Dort was in there, yeah. uh, when Trey Thomas was in there, who I thought actually played really well, this team doesn't have a Scottie Pippen Jr. Mm-hmm. And how this lineup was set up was for Jordan Wright to be Scottie Pippen Jr. reincarnate, to have one shooter out there and basically three distributors and defenders. And that was the starting lineup. And Jordan Wright is not Scottie Pippen Jr. You have to either have a guy – and then you can have whatever you want as long as you have at least one shooter around him out there on the court, or you have to have at least two shooters alongside a slashing driver. And for the most part, Jerry Stackhouse just didn't play that combination of players, even though the puzzle pieces are there on this roster right now in the guys he was playing. So I was just baffled throughout this whole game at his usage of Colin Smith and rotating only freshmen in alongside bench players you never really saw yeah. miles studi and colin smith consistently on the right. court at the same time you didn't one time and i know he was 
is in foul trouble, see Liam Robbins and QMB in the game like you saw so many times last mm-hmm. season to combat the length and size and athleticism you saw from Memphis where they dominated Vanderbilt on the glass and you never saw the utilization of the size that you have. I was just very, very disappointed in the choices that Stackhouse made in utilizing this roster's talent and it re- and, and not throwing away this season because I think the pieces are there to be improved. And I think the talent is improved. And I've got you got to keep keeping in mind that this is this is Memphis. You didn't start out the season with Tennessee Tech, right. my alma mater, so no hate there, or like Cleveland State. This is a good Memphis basketball team. I think from we were talking about it a little bit in some Vanderbilt group chats, and I would peg them probably like a they're going to fall somewhere in the five to nine seed uh, in the NCAA yeah. tournament. So you weren't playing a scrub team, but you saw some issues and you saw some identity issues. And I think that Stack just has to learn what works. Yes. And for some reason, he's unable to evaluate that correctly in the offseason and in practice because you can say what you want about these coaches know a thousand more things uh, than people who are analyzing the game or me. Well, whatever just was put out on that court and that, that combination of lineups isn't going to work. And, and that's clear. From the moment, it, th- this wasn't a synced up issue. This wasn't a practice at further issue. There was the same lack of respect to the back action on the backside of the offense. So it ended up just completely going away at certain points. The back the backside of the offense was just stagnant for 15 seconds at a time. And Memphis never had to get out of help. So driving lanes were just never open. Mm-hmm. And that was because they had scouted the lineups that Vanderbilt was putting out on the court, didn't have enough outside shooting to make them respect that. So Stack, you have a lot of work to do because uh, the lineups today, I, I'm not really sure outside of the one I actually put in when put into the door report when they yeah. went on that run that you're referring to, actually, when they cut it to eight in the second half, I texted the door report group and said, I like this lineup right now. Uh, minus Dia, I said, but he actually ended up bearing three. But mm-hmm. you could clearly see this lineup has enough shooting to spread out Memphis's defense and allow for drivers to get to the basket. And it was the only time in the game you saw a correct lineup from Jerry Stackhouse. Yeah, the, the rotations were were pretty baffling to me as well, uh, especially in the second half. I mean, there there were lulls where Jordan Wright and Liam Robbins and Studi would be on the bench for like seven, eight minutes, it felt like. I mean, that you know, so I'm with you on the rotations. Um, you know, the one thing I look at as well is, you know, we I think we need to figure out well, what does Jordan Wright have to be for this team? You know, I mean, what 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 does he have to be? Does he have to do what Scottie Pippen did last year um, or can guys around him like Studi or Robbins and, and other guys step up and kind of help provide that? And I think that's what Stackhouse wants and that's what he thinks. Uh, but it did not happen last night. Uh, I mean, you know, yeah, Memphis, um, you know, defensively, they did a lot of things that Vanderbilt probably it was tough to prepare for, uh, but at the same time, you know, offensively, the, the lineup that was out there, you're just – you're not going to get a whole lot done. You, you're just not. So, um, Will, I, I totally agree. Offensive strategy was interesting, to say the least. Um, Jordan Wright and Liam Robbins were both non-factors. Uh, again, I'll credit Memphis's defense a lot for that as well. Uh, but, Will, also credit Robbie Weinstein with the note. That was the first loss in a home opener since 2007 – and that game was against Jeff Green and Georgetown. So uh, another kind of uh, 
deathly uh, comparison there for Vandy fans. But um, so this doesn't usually happen, but you also don't usually play Memphis uh, to start the season. So, um, well, I, I, we were talking before we got on here, we were going to do an, a, a positive spin and a negative spin. That's going to be the way we're not doing three main takeaways. We could, we'd probably have two hour episodes for basketball, uh, but let's do our positive spin and negative spin on this game because it was a loss and a pretty bad one and, and they didn't look great. We're going to start with a negative spin. And I know we just talked about a lot of it, but for me, the negative spin here is, you know, there's zero offense. And I know we just talked about that, but I I don't know that this is an issue of rotations. I think this team will struggle offensively this year for most of the season. Now, obviously, Jordan Wright's going to play better most games. Uh, You know, they're going to shoot better most games. Liam Robbins should get more touches inside in the paint than he did against Memphis. Um, But offensively, will. If, if they play the way they did against Memphis, we're going to see a worse team than we did last year. It's, it's bottom line. I, I mean, you just you, you can't play that way and expect to beat SEC teams. Jordan Wright, after the game, was comparing that Memphis team to an LSU-type team with how long they are and how athletic and, and, and just defensive-minded they are, but they also get out and run. I mean, that was a team that, you know, when they got a turnover, they would get out and run. That's what Vanderbilt didn't do. When Vanderbilt's at their best, they're creating havoc. They're trapping. You know, they only trapped a few times. I thought when they trapped, they they created turnovers. Now, they didn't really score off of those. Um, but, well, for me, the, the negative spin here, it's it's pretty obvious, putting the ball in the basket. I mean, you mentioned it. Was it, what was it, six points at the 10-minute mark? At the 10-minute timeout? I mean, that's, that. that's pathetic. It really is. So, um, and it was just a weird, eerie feeling in the gym uh, where, you know, I don't know that we expected this team to light the world on fire against Memphis, but we didn't expect them to get manhandled the way they did. Um, so shooting, I mean, they looked, they, they looked, uh, they looked antsy. I mean, shooting the ball. I know you saw the Colin Smith air ball. Uh, you know, we saw some other, other shots that would just graze the rim. So I think a lot of it is settle down, get settled. Obviously they'll get a win on Friday, but, it's just offensively, Will. I didn't see anything that was that was encouraging. Anything that that points to me that this is going to be a quick fix. Uh, I I I just I, I didn't. I mean, Jordan Wright is a guy when he has three points for most of the game, that's usually a bad sign. But at the same time, you're also shooting bad all around. I mean, everybody was shooting awful. So, uh, well, the negative spin here. I mean, I think we can agree on this is that offense was 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 bad. But at the same time, they also looked out of sync. I mean, they 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 just you expected them to to look a little bit more comfortable, at least the experienced guys and the freshmen. You said it, Will. I mean, they went in there and, and played with with more confidence. It felt like. I mean, Colin Smith and Malik Dia, those guys are going to be really good players. I know we didn't see Noah Shelby. Uh, apparently, that's a, a defensive liability type thing. Um, but I think at this point, they'll have to see what Noah Shelby has. I mean, you have to. So, well, it's just the the, the upperclassmen obviously were disappointing. Stack said that after the game. Uh, they got to play better. But at the same time, when you've got those freshmen back there that are ready to play, like Colin Smith and Dia and even the newcomer uh, with um, Ansong, I think that that's how you pronounce it. I mean, when those guys are playing better in the way they did, keep them in the game. I, I, you know, I obviously you don't want Jordan Wright and Liam Robbins sitting on the bench for as long as they did, but you know when they're not doing much, I, you know, it, it is hard to blame Stackhouse there. But at the same time, you know, it was a whole team type thing. I mean, they they were just completely out of sync. Memphis took them out of any sort of rhythm. So, well, obviously, a lack of putting the ball in the basket <laughs> is uh, is is the negative spin there. Um, and and I, I think you would agree. 
Yeah, I mean, I think the negative spin in this is going to be fully negative because I will be getting all of my positives out on the positive spin. So I'm not going to mm -hmm. be giving any caveats here. The negative spin is this is the exact same problem this team had last year and Stackhouse decided to play the exact same guys and holy shit, the exact same problems were there. That, that's what makes no sense. You basically put out the same exact team that you put out last season and replaced Scotty Pippen Jr. with Ezra Mignon. That is a recipe for disaster and makes no sense. I don't, I don't know if he was sending a message. I don't know what was going on. But if that is the lineup that is continuously used, this team will continue to be good enough to, you know, in this out-of-conference schedule, win a few games, uh, maybe go five, six wins. But you'll ultimately be fighting to barely stay out of. Yeah or be in those first four, uh, the first opening night of the SEC tournament. And when you look at how the offense performed, nothing will tell you different. Uh, I don't really understand what, what the purpose is of having your one and two guards as really not shooters or scorers. Mm -hmm. That's where I have the biggest difference with Jerry Sackhouse. And maybe he was expecting, and obviously he was expecting a better performance out of Jordan Wright than he had. And I think we will see better performances out of Jordan Wright than we saw. Memphis is a very long and athletic team that's going to impact him a lot when he has that kind of lower, slower release from the outside yeah. and predominantly relies on, you know, big body drives using his, his frame to create contact with defenders. Length doesn't exactly uh, play into that well. But Billy, this is my negative moment. I can see an anxious look on your face here. I, I'll, I'll have a positive spin to this, I promise, to balance oh, I, it out. I'm waiting that on it. Sound in, that will sound insanely glass half full and like <laughs> we're floating in a in a meadow of rose petals. So don't don't you worry. I see I see the worried I'm wait, look. Uh, I'm ready but for it. You you see the continuous high screen action, uh, semi kind of horns or box action from yeah. Jerry Stackhouse, and he still doesn't utilize any sort of shooters on the backside uh, on offense. And that's been my issue, and I've talked about it from the moment we started this podcast with Jerry Stackhouse, is he does nothing and to, to get shooters open on the backside for these baseline drives that he keeps setting up. He keeps setting them up for Tyron Lawrence and for Malik Dia. And that's okay. They're not awful shooters. I'm not saying Tyron Lawrence can't shoot. I'm saying that cannot be your first option on offense. And the majority of the players that played a majority of the minutes are role players. Right now, you have maybe Liam Robbins. We haven't really seen him be able to go full strength at a full length of a game. Yeah. Maybe Jordan Wright if he can step up, but I kind of see him as a number two option for the most part. You have a shooter in Miles Studi, and that's going to be one of my main positives, is you have a fucking shooter mm -hmm. in Miles Studi. Every time that ball leaves his hand, you think it's going into the basket. But other than that, who is a guy that you think at the end of a game can get the ball, make a play? And I don't think Jerry Stackhouse started out on the court with any of the guys that in the future will be that guy. And I know he didn't start out on the court because he didn't play the young guys for the first 10, 11 minutes of this game. And Colin Smith was the only uh, one of the three touted freshmen that played more than three minutes or even entered the game in the first half. So I don't know what's going on with the dynamic trio, but there's clearly some issues there. 
So this is the end of my negative spin. Noah Shelby and Lee Dort are not going to sit on the end of, end of the fucking bench their freshman year. They will be gone, as will Jerry Stackhouse. So he better figure it out. End yeah, of my I negative mean, spin. That's the negative spin right there. You, you know you're ready for a negative spin with Will. All right, let's get to the positives here. Let's get to the positive spin for this game. And I think it is I think it is obvious. It's the first game of the season. It's the first game of the season, and you're playing – a team that, like you said, Will, is probably a five to nine seed in the NCAA tournament. I mean, that, that that's a pretty damn good Memphis team. Kendrick Davis is a legit power five point guard. And I mean, he's elite. I mean, he played really well. DeAndre Williams, their post player, is athletic. He's big. He, he's they're physical. I mean, they are they're athletic. They're long. I mean, they had depth too. I mean, they brought Keontae Kennedy off the bench and he played really well. A, a guy that Hint, hint, was a, a Vandy commit, um, and, and somehow that didn't work out. But, well, I, I just I, I look at th- this team in this game, and they're going to learn a lot from this. You know, at least I hope they should. <laughs> I mean, you have this Memphis game on film, and this will prepare you for really every SEC team you play. I mean, and it should. I mean, Jordan Wright compared it to an LSU type of team. And this Memphis team, they are first game of the season right at the gate that's a that's a pretty tough team to prepare for i mean you cannot simulate what they do defensively in practice leading up to to that to a game like that especially if you don't have the guys to do it in in the scout team defense i mean it's just it, it's almost like a you know almost like a, the the way you prepare for a triple option offense i mean it's just it's hard to do you get into the game it's like wow these guys are long they're fast they're athletic um and they can shoot i mean it's like they did felt like they didn't miss from 3 I mean, they shot the ball. They shot the ball really well. I don't know if that was uh, some fluke or what. If they're they're just a really good shooting team. Twenty six percent though, but true stats. But it felt like hey, it. their it, free throws. What it made you feel like they shot seventeen to nineteen from the free throw line. Yes, they got to there the line a lot and they made a lot of their free throws. So I'm looking at the free throw line for the most part. But it did feel like they made more shot more threes from deep than I anticipated um you know going into the game uh obviously they shot a lot but they made some big shots in in big moments I mean it felt like when Vanderbilt would get within nine or ten or even eleven they would bump it back up to 14 or bump every it back out ev- every single time it was frustrating as hell so I just think well yes it's one game um I do think the negatives outweigh the positives I think you agree um but the positive is Jordan Wright only scored seven. How many times is that going to happen this year? Um, hopefully not not many more times. Uh, Liam Robbins, seven points. So, you know, you would expect both of those guys to double that and, and get up to at least 14 or 15 in that range. And, you know, if they do that, you're in a lot better spot. So I just think, well, it's the first game of the season. Tough, tough team to prepare for. Uh, I mean, you, you have to play that Memphis team right at the gate. That's that's not fun. <laughs> that's not fun at all. Um, obviously, it's a it's a fun rivalry that that might be you know created here with Stack and Penny and um, you know I don't know if Penny outcoached Stack. I mean, maybe you could say he did, um, but he does have a better team. He's got better athletes, um, but he's also the timeline. Is Penny in year four or is it five now? Will and um, I, I can't remember uh, what I saw from Penny, but they've been there pretty similar years amount of time to build a roster. Um, so. There's really no more excuses for Stackhouse, the staff, and this team this year. Well, I think you would agree it's NCAA tournament or bust. I mean, yep. it's it's year four. It is year four. We need to start kind of hammering that down. I don't think we did. Uh, I mean, we haven't talked about basketball this season yet, and, and we will hammer it down in, in this preview. But there's a lot of pressure on these guys. 
there's pressure on Stack. I know he, he may not feel it because of the extension, but from the fan base, there's a lot of pressure. And they this fan base expects this team to be good this year. I mean, they they do. It's it's not, I mean, I'm not bullshitting there. I mean, around the SEC, they expect this Vanderbilt team to compete. Maybe not the media. I think they were picked 14th last again. Um, so I mean that there's the chip on your shoulder right there. But well, I mean, this team, they they're capable. They are fully capable. They've got talent. You've got Liam Robbins, a guy they're they're experienced too. So I think settle down. It's game one. Uh, they, you know they're going to get a win. They're going to ring some wins off here. Uh, but I think the next good comp, the next good team they play, uh, as I pull up their schedule, will um, might be in their first tournament uh, out of uh, out of conference. As I pull that up, but I mean that's the positive spin for me. Um, it, it, it's the first game, and uh, you know you got to play a Memphis team that's nearly impossible to prepare for and simulate. So um, that that's my positive spin there, will. Yeah, I think my positive is, and you you kind of started getting a little more realistic there at the end of your positive spin, Billy, uh, <laughs> which I think I will probably too, because there's not a ton of super positive things to take away. But the positive spin is this team shot 40% from three, and I know some of that was late, uh, but I think this team has the puzzle pieces. I think the key is getting the right pieces in the right places. And I think a lot of college athletics, for the most part, just is that. Uh, I think that getting the right guys in the system, whether it's football or basketball or baseball, I think it's getting the right guys and the right rotations, playing with the right groups of people uh, to perform their best. And I think it's a lot more complimentary and a lot less plug and play than professional athletics. And I think people just view college and pros the same uh, as if you can just plug in Colin Smith with it's not. XYZ and it's just going to work out the same way. I don't think it works that way. And I, what I expected was Stackhouse to make a concerted – God, this is going to get a little negative before it gets positive – to make <laughs> a concerted effort to play the freshmen together and slowly work them in in different test-out rotations alongside the experienced guys. But especially when Robbie was reporting back on the scrimmages and reading different articles, I was expecting that Stack had these as the ones and twos to get the freshmen used to playing with, with each other, thinking these guys are going to be together for at least two, three, four years. Uh, and mm -hmm. then you already have the other guys that are experienced playing with each other and then kind of figure out which pieces fit with the opposite puzzle and just kind of put it together. But that wasn't really what happened. You didn't see that happen at all. So maybe this is just data stat can scrap the plan that he currently had and move forward because I think you can undeniably say that outside of losing your best player in Scotty Pippen Jr. And I know that's a big outside of, but the rest of this roster is a lot deeper and you have a lot more natural talent overall on the yeah. roster. So there is some way to combine this talent to be more successful on offense than what we saw in the first 10 minutes of this game. And you rarely see a team shoot 40% from three while shooting 60% from the free throw line and 41% from the field. So chalk some of this up maybe to just first game of the season, a lot of new faces, a lot of new rotations. The coaching staff is getting used to this the same way as everyone else is the players. And that first 10 minutes of this game, if you took it away, Vanderbilt played Memphis pretty even the rest of that game. Uh, but you can't take away the first 10 minutes. Mm -hmm. So look to improve how you start out, change that starting lineup. It's early in the season. There's plenty of time to do that. I don't 
really point out any individual guys at all that I say played extremely bad. Maybe QMB was a little disappointing. Uh, he's old enough to take that direct criticism. I will say QMB. I think he probably overall was the was the guy outside of Jordan Wright uh, that you would say was individually disappointing. So those two guys improving, but everyone else I would say played at least to my expectations or a little bit better, uh, or at least to those expectations. So moving forward, just different rotations. That's going to be the main outlook. That's my positive view. It's one game. You have to get out of football mode. Games happen. Teams beat teams all the time in college basketball. This is not college football. Every year I have to remind myself of that. It's not the same impact game to game. So that's the thing. Let's move on. We're so used to recapping football games here. Um, and, mm-hmm. and I think that is uh, that is a difference. Basketball, basketball is more of like a wave. You ride yeah. up and down ways. Football is data points that you <laughs> point up and down. And the graph moves up and down very sharply. Basketball is not that way. Right. Yeah. And there were some teams that got upset. There were some bad losses last night. Uh, Stetson beat uh, Florida State, I think. Um, See that Belmont and, buzzer beater? Yeah, I saw Ohio, that. Number I saw one that. on think on Sports Center is pretty awesome. Yeah, I mean, it, and it's things like that. I mean, that that was a great crowd at Belmont, and uh, you would have liked to see that at Vanderbilt. Maybe a more just a more exciting game, a more exciting product, and that was not a good product. Well, I mean, that was not a great start to the season. Uh, but you've got a, a kind of a bounce back game here Friday night against Southern Miss at home, and then you got to go to Temple, uh, play Temple. Then you got Moorhead State. And then the next competitive game, I think, for Vanderbilt is probably St. Mary's at home. I mean, in, in all in all honesty, but they got to play Pitt in the non-conference and NC State as well. So the non-conference, uh, it's not a gauntlet by any means, but it's also not easy. Uh, but there are some games out there that uh, Vanderbilt can improve their resume. Um, but I think just playing this game should help their resume in terms of strength of schedule and just throwing the tape in and, and looking at this and saying, man, there's a lot to fix. There's a lot to figure out, and uh, you know all that to say they'll get back to the drawing board and they'll keep swinging. I mean that's that's uh, that's what this team uh, has to do, and and you know, I'm sure they'll do it. Uh, it's it's impossible to to prepare for that Memphis team. So once again, Vanderbilt loses by nine to Memphis. Um, anything else you got on the Memphis? I think game? I just have to add in the one thing of it's kind of what we said about in general how we would view the Vanderbilt football defense after they got into the non-incredible offenses of top 10 teams and not having Heisman candidates week in, week out, that you would say it's not awesome, but it's definitely not as bad as we thought early. And I think you're going to say the same thing. I mean, this Memphis team is a very, very good defensive team. Yes, that is their thing. This over under was they were full court pressing. They were full court pressing Uh, the whole time. Yeah, Vanderbilt's over under in points was sixty eight and a half uh, in Vegas. So they they were right on that. Even though I know they had started out the game with six points and a lot of that was a late flurry, they were right on the expectations. So this offense, it's a it's going to be amazing. The improvement that we are going to see when Vanderbilt is not playing Memphis, it's going. To be golden all over this, the all golden over Eagles. Twitter, all over. <laughs> it's going to be just wow! Look at the improvements that Jerry Stackhouse has made. Yeah, and yeah. That is TBD. That is not going to be based on the offensive output or these guys hitting shots. Vanderbilt's just going to have the better athletes and the better individual players. I'm going to be looking for how Stack gets those wins because this season. 
the upcoming games and in this non-conference isn't if it's how outside of the games that you named off individually there uh, that were kind of tests out of conference we're past it that that's the main thing i think i was talking to my dad last night and i was saying that it's going to be weird for vanderbilt fans to hear me really for the first time talking about basketball from the perspective of not give him time and that yes. is all that i've said and it's that's not no that longer thought, an excuse I've, I've never thought that jerry stackhouse like i've never been definitively like jerry stackhouse is the guy i've just said we don't know and we haven't had a chance. He hasn't had a chance from where Bryce Drew left this program. Well, now he has had a chance. This is the and chance. I'm not saying that anyone expects this team to compete for being a top four seed or five seed in the SEC tournament or uh, the NCAA tournament. But the expectation is to be on the bubble slash in the NCAA tournament mm-hmm. this year and not battling to stay out of the first round of the SEC tournament. This, this should be a middle-of-the-pack SEC team. Uh, that that's an eight, nine, 10 seed there uh, in the NCAA tournament. And those expectations are going to stay the same, just like the expectations for football this year. We're not going to be judged by wins and losses once they hit the three win mark. And just like last basketball season was not judged by the final score and the final uh, W number in the win column, but this year is. And so it's going to be a change in kind of view and narrative and perspective of how we analyze these games that for the first time, Billy, I'm criticizing when I'm criticizing losses and wins. I'm not just going into it saying how this team played. We're looking for improvement. The improvement time is over. A lot of these guys are gone next year. So you're either building for the future. You're an experienced team that's ready to take the next step while also giving these young guys experience. So stack, this is it, man. I mean, yep. if it doesn't happen this year, next year is a fired halfway through the season type of season if things don't drastically improve. So it's NCAA tournament or bust, Billy. This is it. I mean, this is it, Will. And I'll hit on what you just said. It's not really the score of the Memphis game. Yeah, they lost by nine, but it was how they looked. It was it was what happened. It was the you know watching the game with your eyes. It's what you saw. They got dominated. Just, you know, yeah, they they got dominated in every sense of the imagination. They didn't you lose know, by they, single digits like it no, like it shows. No. No, it's it's like Tennessee and Georgia. I mean, that should have been a 40 point loss for Tennessee. But, you know, the rain started coming down for Vanderbilt. I mean, yeah, they had that late flurry. And yeah, credit to them. They didn't quit. But that game was not that was not a nine point game. I mean, (laughs) Memphis dominated that from start to finish. So, uh, again, that is the Memphis game. Uh, not spending too much time on it because we got a season preview uh, to get to here, Will. So kind of shifting our attention uh, to that uh, with the Vanderbilt Commodores this year. And I told you before we got on, Will, I'm going to run through the most important players on this team. And we're going to kind of talk about their expectations and what we expect to see from them. So you could say we're getting personal here. I mean, <laughs> you, you really could. Kind of putting us in Stackhouse's shoes if we have player meetings and player meetings before the year with each guy and saying, hey, here's what you got to do. Here's what we expect from you this year. So we're going to start with Miles Studi. So Miles Studi, junior forward, experienced player now, best shooter on the team. I mean, I think we agree with that. Uh, plays with swagger and an intensity uh, that I don't think any other player has on Vanderbilt. Um, and I, can I say one thing before you get in, Sudi? I would say most consistently good shooter on the team because I think hot Trey Thomas gives probably Trey Thomas yeah. money, but Trey Thomas is much streakier than Miles yes, Studi is. I, I I would agree with that. Uh, I I would definitely agree with that. Uh, well, he's not much of a driver. Uh, we'll see if that improved over the off season. I mean, I, you know, he, he's just, it's not his game. Um, so, but you know, if he can add that, that would be a, a, that'd be a big piece when he's making shots. Will, 
it's like Trey Thomas. When he gets on a rhythm, when he hits four or five in a row, when Miles Studi's hitting his shots, Vandy's typically winning games. I mean, you know, yeah, I, I think – what did he have, Will, in this game? I don't think it was a crazy output 12. It was, I think it was 12, 12 four of eight from three. Yeah, four of eight from three, so he 50%. was hitting his shots. But, you know, at the same time, he's had games where – he hits his shots, and that really lifts Vanderbilt. And I think that more than more times than not, it's going to be the case where Miles Studi hits four threes. You'd expect this team to be at least in the game. You know, and they weren't in this game, so that says a lot about everybody else. Um, he's a very important piece to this year's puzzle. He really is. Um, he can be a menace on defense, I think, as well. I mean, he he's an underrated defender, um, I think, a, a, as well. Will so Miles Studi, my expectations for him is making his shots. I mean, you. Four threes a game. I would say he played a pretty damn good game against Memphis. I mean, that's a pretty good showing for him. Uh, he's he doesn't have to do a whole lot else. I mean, yeah, maybe driving, getting inside the lane occasionally. Uh, but he's a shooter. I mean, that, that's what he does. But he's also he's also one of the leaders on this team now. I mean, he, he's an emotional leader, and he should be. Um, and he's got that intensity, will that you need against SEC teams. We saw him last year against t- Tennessee and Kentucky. He was getting into their head a little bit, so he can do that. And I know you love that about him. I think Vandy fans should love that about him. We we rarely get a player like that. I mean, you don't you don't usually see a player like Miles Studi on a, in, a, in in the black and gold uh, inside Memorial Gym. You just don't. Um, so I think he's a huge piece of this year's team, and I think you'd agree, Will. Um, so that's what I got on Miles Studi. What what are your expectations for him? I mean, he is the shooter on this team, and in, in- Obviously, he has favor with Jerry Stackhouse. He's very athletic. I mean, he needs to be shooting seven to ten three-pointers a game. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's exactly what he did. He shot four of eight. He shot 44 or 43% from three last year, uh, improving that from 28% during his freshman year. And he shot five threes a game last year. So that number needs to keep going up. And I think his percentage will stay pretty much the same. So that's a dude shooting in his mid-40s, mid-40 uh, percentile from three point, the three-point line. Now, the driving is something that I don't know if that's something that's going to be added. I mean, how many of his shots, and it's a crazy high number, have been from outside the the three-point line? I mean, pretty much all of them. Uh, But really, with Jordan Wright being a guy that's going to be paired with him a lot, you don't need him to drive to the basket. You need him to be uh, the 2A slash 2B there. And I don't think that Vanderbilt has the number one guy this season on the team, and I don't think anybody expected them to. Uh, but you have 2A, 2B. You have a combo of two guys that basically create that one dynamic score. And Jordan Wright is a good enough shooter uh, to demand respect. But Miles Studi is knocked down. Uh, and he also has that that it, that that yep. dog in him. You don't know how to describe it. It's well known that Miles Studi is my favorite player on the team uh, just because he's got that fuck you personality. And you have to have that when you're playing at Vanderbilt and every good team has that or has that guy that's willing to do that and he is that he's willing to take all the the emotional energy from the other team and just have it emphasized on him so less emotional guys like jordan wright and UMB and liam robbins can relax and play uh he's he's just that is a an undervalued portion of a basketball game that that the best example of is miles is uh the dude from Ole miss marshall henderson yeah. He was that for that team. That team wasn't that good, but every bit of that team was focused on him. And I think Miles Studi just has a little bit of that, just enough. You don't want full Marshall Anderson. That's a whole no. different level. He has <laughs> no, just no. the right amount to play in a controlled amount, and he's a knockdown shooter. So naturally, I really like Miles Studi as a player, and he's got to step up. And 
he was really the only guy out of the main dudes, the main returning guys that performed how I expected. Yeah. Uh, and and that, that, there's something to be said for that, that he was the guy that hit the only shot at the beginning of the game. He got Vanderbilt started with a three and there was only one other three uh, for the other yeah. 10 minutes of the rest of that uh, first half. But yeah, uh, yeah Studi's expectations are to take a take a step forward, but he's got to have other guys help him because like you said, he's not he's not a driver. And I don't think that's something necessarily in his game that needs to or will be added. He's a perfect player to have with you on the road in road atmospheres. You, you saw it last year. I mean, he 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 loves it. He, he eats it up. So, um, and you need him to play well at home too. That'd be nice as well. Uh, well, up next, Quentin Malore Brown, fifth year senior. He's a fifth year senior now. Of course, playing down low, tough, gritty, real glue guy. I'd say. I mean, he he he's he's a glue guy for this team. Obviously, he's not much of an offensive threat, but. He seemed to get last year, well, three to four buckets a game off of offensive rebounds. And that's where he makes an impact on the game. Offensive rebounding, also defensive rebounding, but pure and simple rebounding. They need him to rebound. They need him to to just kind of get in the heads of other teams and piss them off and, and be like, how is this guy beating us on the boards? And look at QMB and say, how is this guy beating us? So um, also on defense, Will, he's a good defender. Uh, he made a huge defensive impact last year. That's a very smart player. He knows the inf- offense inside and out. I think that's that's probably why he gets the upper hand over Liam. Just I think Stack loves his smarts. He loves the grit. He loves the defense. Now, I still think Liam – I would love to see Liam Robbins start, and I think you agree with me there. But Q&B, I mean – He's kind of the heart and soul of this team, you could argue. I mean, just his personality and and uh, I mean, he plays gritty. It didn't play very particularly well against Memphis. And I think I don't think he liked playing against those athletes. Um, but well, he's a glue guy. He's tough. They need him. I mean, he's another guy. He's up there for important pieces to this team. Um, so obviously not an offensive threat here, Will. But his expectations are lock down your guy. You know, play good defense, but also rebound. You know, he's got to be on the offensive boards. I think he lost some rebounds against Memphis. I mean, there were some opportunities for him to get a ball and, you know, he gets he gets it tapped away from him or, you know, he gets out jumped. Um, so, you know, he's not an athlete. I wouldn't really call him an athlete, uh, but he's he's just kind of a gritty guy like a Matthew Del Vadova at the at the forward spot where he's it's just kind of weird how how he's having an impact on the game. But he is and he has had impacts on games. So uh, Q&B will his expectations for me are just keep doing what you did last year. I mean, down the stretch of last season, he was a huge piece to that team. And I think he's he became a little bit of a fan favorite last year. So um, I know we loved him at certain points last year, uh, but there's pressure on him as well, Will, to to guard really good players. So defense, defense and rebounding, that's what I'd say for, uh, for all QMB there. There's a reason I'm drinking whiskey, Billy, because I, I promised myself that I was a little too positive for a, for a little bit of a stretch. And I think I lost a little bit of of being honest with, with my actual view and viewing Vanderbilt as a real SEC program. Uh, and, I, and I think I lost it a little bit in football and leading up to the basketball season just with kind of discussions. I know we haven't done the preview and this is it, but I love QMB. I love the energy he plays with. He's not a power five basketball player. Uh, so my, I, if I was Jerry Stackhouse, my main sit down with QMB was – Enjoy the bench until Liam gets in foul trouble because Ansong provides an athletic version of what you do. 
uh, and Malik Dia provides a shooting version of what you do. Uh, he doesn't provide anything on offense on a team that struggles with scoring from the outside. The fact that he's starting over Liam Robbins is the number one problem that I have with Jerry Sackhouse and was the first thing that I saw in the broadcast that put me in a horrible mood because Liam Robbins and QMB are not on the same planet of basketball talent. No one would deny that. Liam Robbins is potentially an NBA basketball player if he comes out and performs well at seven foot one with a smooth outside jumper and the fluidity of movement, shot blocking ability. QMB will not sign with a European basketball team. If Jerry Stackhouse can't evaluate that in a starting lineup, we have a long time Houston, to go we've got in a this season. We have a big problem. So my message to QMB is he's going to get minutes because what I just said, he's a, you like what you said, he's a good, solid defender. He would be really good at Belmont as a role player at Belmont. He'd be really good. Uh, but he's a big body, he's strong, he plays hard. So when Liam's in foul trouble and you need somebody to be a poor man's Liam Robbins, QMB's your guy. Uh, but the rotational situations, you have Malik D and Lee Dorth that frankly are just better and younger uh, and really provide more upside. So that would be my message is I think his minute should probably be in the single digits. Uh, until that happens, Vandy's going to continue to struggle on offense. Yeah, I, I was surprised to see him starting over Robbins. I mean, I think that's kind of a universal uh, thing, I hope, uh, with Vanderbilt fans. Um, well, let's move on here. Tyron Lawrence, uh, sen- junior, not senior yet, junior guard. He looked improved uh, from last season in the Memphis game. Uh, he looked he looked like he, you know, got a little bit more athletic. I mean, he's the most athletic guard on the team, I think. Um, you could say they'll need his shooting this year. I mean, th- he. I think he made a couple threes. They'll need him to do that. Now, that's not what – if I'm meeting with him before the season, it's not, you know, Tyron, we need your shooting. That's it. That, that's not it. That's really the opposite. We need his athleticism. We need his defense. We need his length. Um, he saw the dunk there. I mean, we need we need that. We need just your athleticism on display. Um, that's where, you know, that's where they'll need him. Getting to the basket is his game. I mean, he's tough to defend when he's going to his left and has a step on his defender. Um, and, and so, Will, he's a big piece to this year's puzzle. I mean, he's older now. I think we, we're used to talking about Tyron as as the young Tyron Lawrence. You know, he'll be good down the road. Well, we're down the road now. I mean, and and there's there's pressure on everybody now. There's an added pressure, and it's on Tyron Lawrence as well. And we're going off of one game this season. Um, well, he had 14 points. I mean, it's not like he lit the world on fire, but there were some moments there from Tyron where, you know, he's he's turning into somewhat of a scorer. I mean, you saw him get inside the lane, kind of fake, you know, up and under moves uh, from him inside the paint, and he looks stronger. Um, and I think he's gotten better from last year. I think he's at least from the Memphis game, from what I saw. Um, so, well, again, he's not going to be relied upon to shoot. Uh, but he's going to be guarding really good guards on the other side, so he's got to be well. He's got to be a great defender, uh, and they've got to use his length. But he he's got to be an offensive threat for them. He has to. There's just there's not enough other guys around him to where he can't you know sit back. He's got to be a scorer for this team. Um, so and I you know I'm not going to say the same thing about Ezra Manion because that's not what he can do. I mean he's not he's literally not a scorer. But Tyron Lawrence can be a scorer, and I think he showed. He showed that against Memphis. So, well, he's another guy that's important to this team this year. Um, of course, staying healthy is huge, but at the same time, he's made that jump, I think, at least you know, judging from one game. 
And, you know, he's, he's that guard that's that, that looks, he he's an sec guard. I mean, he's an sec athlete. He's an, he's a division one college basketball player. Unlike Liam, uh, not, not Liam Robbins, unlike UMB. Um, so he is a legit player. He's one of those guys where you look at their team and say, that's a good piece of their team. Wish I had him on ours. He really is. So, I like I like what I saw from Tyron Lawrence will against Memphis, um, and if he plays that like that, man, this this team is 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 can be on another level. So uh, obviously, will you know he he's not relied upon as a top maybe two or three scorer, but he's got to he's got to hold up his end of the bargain. Tyron Lawrence is in an interesting spot because he he is a power five basketball player. He's a six foot four guard, long wingspan, very, Mm -hmm. very athletic. He had four turnovers. I think he led the team last night in turnovers. So everybody is rating him an A plus because he led the team in scoring, but he didn't play that well. Uh, And he missed some gimmies. He shot two or three from three, but Lawrence is going to have a big role this year. The only problem is him and Jordan Wright have the exact same game. Uh, Tyron Lawrence is just a less proven shooter, but more athletic and a better defender. So that's, that's from the start is my lineup issues. Are you played three guys at your one through three positions that are not threats to shoot the ball? And he shot 35% from three last year. And I'm not saying that's bad. I think that was fifth or sixth on the team. Uh, he's certainly dangerous if left open from outside, but he's not a quick trigger, quick release guy. And teams yeah. are much more concerned about him driving to the basket. So early in the year, this would be my message to Jordan Wright. You have to prove Tyron to teams. To Tyron Lawrence. Good grief. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're, Jordan, we're... Wright, Jordan Wright's next. Yeah, Jordan Wright's next. Good grief. Tyron Lawrence <laughs> has to prove early, which he did. And that's who I was even talking about. And I, for some reason, said Jordan Wright. So it wasn't that far <laughs> off. But he has to prove to teams early in this early in the season that he can be a 35% shooter or a, or a low 30% shooter and not a 20% shooter from the three-point line. And the reason I mixed all that up was because I was going to say that he needs to take the role of the 33 to 35. Right. Wright needs to go from the 35 to being that 40 range three-point mm-hmm. shooter. Otherwise, it this is the big issue. It's, it's the same thing we talked about at wide receiver and football. And I like drawing these connections, even though they're very, very different sports. But it doesn't matter if Quincy Skinner Jr. occasionally makes a catch on an incredible throw from A.J. Swan. It's about how the defense is designed and how they're forced to guard the other players based on how they have scouted you in past performances. And do teams fear Jordan Wright popping a quick three on a short closeout? No, they don't. And they certainly don't fear that from Tyron Lawrence, which is awesome that he shot two for three. But he's going to have to do that and shoot at that level against actual closeouts and not wide open threes that are perfectly in rhythm. And he's going to have to do it consistently because the defense is going to close out, play him more aggressive on the outside, which is a good thing. I'm not saying this is a negative, but Tyron's got to take a massive step forward if this is how Stack plans to use him on the offensive end of the court. Uh, because he does have he doesn't have a score at the point guard position anymore. So if you don't have a score at your point guard position, your two guard has to be a scorer. Yep. Because you already have one piece of dead weight on the court on offense in Manion. And if you start QMB, there's number two. Yeah, I, I, I'm with I you, Will. Really. And I, I, everything else is going to get to other players. So and, I, and I you, keep trying not to jump forward on their own. I, I like it. I respect it. Uh, you just mentioned Jordan Wright. That leads us right into Jordan Wright. 
he has to be the guy this year. He, he, he has to be the guy. There's no other option. There's no hiding from it, uh, Jordan. Um, you know, you're a senior. Um, you're a leader. You're an emotional leader. Um, you know, that's why Stack took you to SEC media days with him. Um, it, it'll be interesting, Will, as we go through this season to see the jump that he makes from his junior to senior year. Um, his late success last season w- was big. I mean, he, he he sort of came on as, as a guy that we thought, you know, I, I don't think we were determined that that he's going to be get, be able to pick up the slack fully from Pippen. I don't think anybody's going to be able to do that. But I think from what we saw down the stretch of last season from Jordan Wright, he can be a scorer. I mean, he is a scorer. I mean, that, that's that's his game. He, he puts the ball in the basket. Um, he's an emotional leader of this team. He, he's another coach on the floor. I mean, that, that's what Rodney Chapman was last year. And I think that really helped Vanderbilt, and they're going to miss him this year. As much as they're going to miss Pippen, boy, are they going to miss Chapman and his leadership and his defense. Jordan Wright has to be the guy. I mean, he has to he has to be a little bit of Pippen and a little bit of Chapman this year. I mean, he's you got to be able to score similar to Pippen, not 100% of what Pippen did, but you've also got to be able to lead the team and 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 kind of you know carry the responsibility like Chapman did a lot of times last year. I mean, he he. Chapman, damn, I miss him. Um, but well, that's what Chapman was last year. So Wright has to shoulder a little bit of that. Um, a lot of pressure on him this season, in my opinion. Uh, and I think you'd agree. Uh, this team's success might oftentimes depend on his success. And it did against Memphis. I mean, he really, really struggled. Uh, he didn't play much most of that second half, which was uh interesting. Um Especially against SEC opponents, Will. I mean, you know, you, you gotta have you gotta have Jordan Wright at his best. He looked out of sync against Memphis. They 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 really looked like they honed on honed in on him. And he's gonna get a lot of that in the SEC. Where, hmm, who's the guy we're scared of? Who's the guy? Who's the one guy we gotta stop? It's that guy, Jordan Wright. And he's gonna get a lot of it. That's what Pippen got a lot of last year. He still put up big numbers most games. Jordan's gonna have to do that. So tough tough job for Jordan, but he's got to be the leader. He's got to be the scoring leader, the scoring output leader most games. Um, and, you know, I don't know that there's a, an, as much pressure on him defensively uh, as there are other guys, certain guys, because he is a an off- such an offensive threat, and they don't want to, you know, tire him out, similar to Scottie Pippen. You know, Stackhouse didn't put Scottie Pippen in very many, um, you know, disadvantageous, if that's even a word, defensive situations last year. Like you know, they didn't they didn't force Scotty to to lock up the other team's best player. You know, I mean that was usually Chapman. Um, you know, so I I think that's a little bit of right. You know, he's gonna make Stack's gonna do his best to make it somewhat easier on Wright, but nothing's easy about this year for Jordan Wright. Um, and there's pressure on him, just like a lot of other players, just like Stack and this coaching staff. So, Will, I'll just say this: he's got to be the guy. And I mean, he is. It's 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 now or never. For, for Jordan Wright, I mean, and for this team. He shoulders so much of that. He, he really does. Um, so, Will, I expect him to be better. He's not going to, you know, he'll probably play really well against Southern Miss, and and that, you know, might change my mind. But, you know, at the end of the day, Memphis is similar to an SEC team. You can't play like that. Um, you know, they they need you, and the team, the team needs you. They need you to be better. So, uh, Jordan Wright, he knows that. He's a smart guy. He's a leader, um, and uh, I expect him to be better. But, same time, if he's not better, this team's going to struggle. So, um, well, that's what I'll say about Wright. And, um, you know, the jump from junior to senior year is what is what I'm looking at this year. Yeah, I don't think Jordan Wright is in any way even close to a replacement for Scottie Pippen Jr., but he's definitely yeah. the guy that has to score in double digits every single night or you're going to lose. And that's yeah. Jordan Wright this year. 
And this is a really tough guy to evaluate. So in, in basketball, I don't even think there's five positions anymore. There's a point guard, ball handler. There's a two, three, that's your three positions. And then there's a post. Uh, and Jordan Wright is the perfect example of that flex, whatever the hell it is, position it's six foot six. He's a scorer and he's got to improve his shooting. He improved it and he's continued to improve it throughout his career. He shot 35.8% from three last year. If he maintains that percentage, that's an improvement because his shots are going to be a lot tougher this year. And that's the main point of my entire Jordan Wright portion of this is so every single lineup and every single team really has a score, has a guy that is that go get you a bucket. Everyone has it. And if you don't have at least a guy that's semi that on the court, just forget about it. That's Jordan Wright. It doesn't mean he has to do it every time, but he's your best offensive scorer. When you say the term score, he's not a shooter. He's a scorer. The issue is the lineups around him. Last year, Jordan Wright was a shooter. I would say shooter yeah. driver score, but it was off of Scotty Pippen Jr. sucking in the defense, late help trying to close out, opening up lanes for Jordan Wright driving and opening up wide open outside jumpers. This year, he has to be the guy not only scoring those looks, but also creating those for others. And Mignon has to take a little bit, which I'm sure we'll get to him. Uh, has to create a little bit of that action being a traditional point guard without the outside shooting capabilities of Scottie Pippen Jr. So a little bit of that is off the shoulders of Jordan Wright, who I don't think we fully expect to take over the role of Scottie Pippen Jr. of being literally the entire offense. But the problem is you have to put shooters around Jordan Wright. Mm -hmm. So when you have Mignon on the court helping him create some of his opportunities, sometimes Mignon is the creator, but that's going to be 20, 30% of the time. The issue is when Wright is driving, the only other shooter for the most part on the court at the same time as him was Miles Studi. So the defense is able to just completely pack in the lane. He's not able to do what he was so successful with last year. And this is my main message to Jerry Stackhouse, which was infuriating. And I think I ranted for it or ranted about it for about an hour last night to my dad is they continued to try to seal Jordan Wright against a smaller defender last night early in the game against Memphis but Memphis completely denied it and they were just never able to get the ball into him mm -hmm. and I kept having the problem of in my head of last year you either had Scotty Pippen Jr. on the backside not allowing the backside help to help over it all or you had Scotty Pippen Jr. making the entry pass and demanding the attention of a secondary defender right. leaving Jordan Wright on an island this year you don't have that so you can't seal him against a smaller defender because they're just going to bring help over to then kick out to a non-shooter. And that was how the entire offense was designed this year. So Jordan Wright is the number one scoring option on this team. He has to play better than he did uh, against Memphis last night, and I think we both expect him to uh, as they continue to gel and figure out this offense. But a lot of this is he was put, not put in situations to succeed in this offense. And that was going to contribute a lot to him having seven points. He didn't get opportunities to score. He didn't get opportunities to utilize his skill set of being isolated against undersized defenders because Jerry Stackhouse designed the offense poorly. So moving forward, he has to be in one-on-one -on -one situations where you have backside shooters that demand respect of the help and don't allow them to get foot in the paint 
help because otherwise it's going to be impossible for Jordan Wright to score consistently like he did last year because you're just not having the same offensive threats from the outside, keeping that long athletic help from Memphis out of the paint. But then again, it was Memphis. They're one of the longest, most athletic teams in the country uh, and probably one of the toughest matchups that Jordan Wright will see until we get deep into SEC play here. So Jordan Wright, there are big expectations, but this has to be one of, if not the last single-digit performance that we see out of you this year. As you mentioned, Will, Ezra Magnon was the guy passing it into Jordan Wright. Last year, that was Pippen. So Pippen demanded that attention. Ezra Magnon does not demand that attention. He simply does not. And we're going to talk about Magnon now. He is a veteran point guard. He's undersized. Chapman, sorry, also turned into a hell of a shooter last season yes, I think that's yes. kind of I keep forgetting about it is he was also an incredible threat that opened yeah. up this entire offense and kind of allowed them to make that hopeful yeah. run at the end of the season so somebody's got to replace that yeah I mean you lose Pippen and Chapman Whew. that's uh that ain't easy uh so well Ezra Manio, he he's obviously undersized and that is going to be a liability this year it just is. Um, it was against Memphis. Um, now I don't think I don't think he has to be six two or six three. You know, like they can survive. They can live with Manion being six foot. He's probably not even six foot. He's probably closer to five ten. Um, but he is shifty. He's athletic. He's a great defender. Um, he he played Kendrick Davis pretty well last night. I mean. Kendrick Davis is a guy. He's gonna he's gonna put up 30, 40 points a couple times this year. He wasn't going to do that against Mignon. Mignon is is he's a hell of a hell of a defender, man. Um, and that makes up. Well, we'll see. But I think Stack's plan is for that to make up for the lack of offense. Um, we'll see if that actually you know comes true. Um, but I do think that that's the hope for him. Um, you know, obviously he's not an offensive threat really at all. Um, we'll see how much scoring he he provides. I don't think it's going to be very much at all. Um, but will. He doesn't need to average 15 a game. I don't even know how many times he's going to get close to 15 this year, but eight to 10 a game would be nice from him. You know, like we can't have, you know, three, four or five points a game from Manio. Um, getting him somewhere in that eight, nine, 10, you know, range, I think would be best case scenario. Um, but even then, it's like, oh, you know, you're still not getting that out of your point guard. The thing about this is, Will, most point guards in the SEC are scorers. I would say almost all. Um, and that's what you had in 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 Pippen last year. I know they rotated a lot. You, sometimes you saw Chapman at point guard. Uh, end of the day, Pippen was a point guard last year, and he was a scorer. Um, he was a bona fide, proven scorer. You don't have that this year. Manion has been inserted, and he is purely a defender. That that I mean, that's how I would describe his game. He is a he. I mean, he is a lockdown defender, um, and and he is going to give the opposing point guard fits. He's one of those guys that you just, I mean, as a point guard, I'm sure Davis hated that last night. I mean, he couldn't stand Mignon. I don't know how many turnovers he created, but he just created, he made the other guy uncomfortable. Um, And I think that's a great weapon. I really do, Will. But in today's day and age, you need your point guard to be a scorer. So I hate, I hate, hate, I hate talking about Mignon in a negative light um, because, you know, because he is their only option really there at point guard. I mean, Noah Shelby is there. And maybe he does. Maybe Shelby does end up starting down the road. I mean, it doesn't look like it now. Um, but seeing Shelby more would be nice. Um, but Manion right now, Will, he's the guy at point guard. Um, and so I would say his expectations, if you're stacked before the year, take care of the ball, be smart, 
We're not relying on you to score. Uh, as weird as that sounds, <laughs> you know, to tell your point guard that. Um, sometimes that's the case. Sometimes it has to be the case. Uh, for Mignon, it is. Um, Will, but he's got to create havoc defensively, and he can. I mean, he didn't get tired last night. He was still hounding uh, Kendrick Davis. So if I'm Stackhouse, I'm telling Mignon, play your ass off defensively the whole game. Um, but at the same time, we need you to be a leader. We need you to, you know, we need you to control the offense. We need you to be that manager that Pippen was minus the scoring. Um, so, Will, I, I don't I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see how this plays out with, with Mignon. I mean, you can't really rotate anybody else other than maybe Shelby right now. I mean, but but it, Mignon's the guy. Mignon's the guy right now. And so, you know, I hate saying he's going to be a liability, but he is. I mean, he he's not he's not you know he's not going to be able to he's not going to be able to match up offensively like defensively he's going to be able to match up he's gonna he's gonna now he's not very big so but will it's at the same time you look at him offensively it's going to hurt him not you know it's going to hurt the team not ha- having him be able to score um, but he is a great defender so it just depends on does that balance out I mean it, it's tough to say it will but. Um, I liked him though, Will. I mean, I I liked what I saw against Memphis, but at the same time, you know, no no Pippen, no Bueno. But we'll see what Manuel can do. I mean, maybe he is, maybe maybe he can be more of a scorer than he than he's shown than he showed against Memphis. Who knows? But that's that's what I'd say. You you got to lock down all game and, and see what kind of an impact that it has on the game. I mean, I want to see me proven wrong, but he shot twenty percent the last two years from three. He's not a scorer. Uh, you show me a guard that is a good defender in high school or college, and you show me a useless basketball player. Because there are a lot of cornerbacks that can do it a lot better than that uh, that are playing football right now. And if your point guard can't score, your two and three better be knocked down. And certainly Tyron Lawrence is not that. Uh, you have Trey Thomas sitting there at his size. He has to be a point guard. So he is the solution to this problem. But Mignon being on the court is just a recipe for stagnant offense. Uh, He's just a player that can't shoot from the outside. He's starting and initiating every bit of your offense, and every defender is going to be 100% comfortable going underneath every single screen Mm -hmm. and bumping every single roll. And so you're seeing Jerry Stackhouse, and and I love that I'm getting to get to my issues uh, with the rotation within this kind of quote-unquote preview but you're running the same high screen action and same motion with a guard that can't shoot. So the defender is having no problem hard hedging, uh, bumping that post roll and then sucking back versus what Pippen forced them to do, which was either double force over the screen on the double or switch completely. There's no fear of that with Menyo. So they're just hard hedging and getting straight back with help on the backside because Mm -hmm. shooters are not spread out, uh, preventing the help from being there. And that was why the offense looked so bad. I mean, I, I was seeing on Twitter, what's going on. What's all this, what's all the problem. That was it. The, the point guard and the two guard who were initiating the offense almost every single time, the defense didn't feel any need to pressure them outside the three-point line because they, they felt no threat from them outside the three-point line. Uh, and if this continues to happen, Mignon just can't see the court. If, if Stackhouse is determined to play Lawrence as many minutes as he played, those two just cannot be on the court at the same time ever. 
you can't have your one guard unable to consistently shoot from the outside and combined with a two guard unable to consistently shoot from the outside combined with a three guard who is a you know middle of the pack shooter at best combined with a post player uh, who is no threat outside of five feet when the only guy the defense is having to demand respect from or have demand respected from is your four and that puts you in a tough spot and I know that all this offense looked fucking fantastic, Jerry, in practice against a defense with which it is designed to beat. And that's my problem with everything I saw was this offense was clearly a, a pretty similar format and pretty similar to what they've run in past years. And I didn't expect a big change, but there just wasn't a consistent approach to utilizing guys in spots every player on this roster is not an nba player every player cannot do at least at a minimum level that you have an expectation of the same things and song can't do things that miles duty can do they will leave him alone every time on the outside if you have one guy on the court that the defense literally won't guard outside of 15 feet or outside of 12 feet and then you add another player they won't guard outside of 12 feet. And then you add a point guard they won't guard outside of 15 feet. I mean, how did Jerry Stackhouse not expect Jordan Wright to score seven points? They just packed the paint and late closed out. It was a high school level game plan from Memphis and Stackhouse just played right into it by playing guys that can't shoot. So Mignon has to be separated from QMB and Tyron Lawrence because you can't have three guys on the court at the same time that pose no threat from the outside. Ezra Mignon is going to be utilized. He did a good job of handling the ball. He is a good defender, but good defenders don't win games. Good defenders are role players. And right now, how, how Ezra Mignon is utilized and how multiple guys were utilized on this roster were not as role players. They are utilized minutes-wise and how they were emphasized in the offense as scorers, and they're simply not. So – that was a lot of the evaluation of really the preview in general is so much yeah. that I saw against Memphis is it would be so different because I can't describe to you how differently I would utilize the talent that Vanderbilt has currently on the roster, just from what I've seen. And people can say that's because I haven't seen enough, but what I saw on the court in game one tells me whatever Stackhouse watched and evaluated was wrong and something drastic needs to change between game one and two. And I don't mean that I'm throwing away the rest of the season. And that's that's not what I want to get to here in this mm-hmm. preview. But there are just a lot of things that have to look very, very different. And the expectations aren't going to change because it was disappointing in game one. The expectations are going to remain the same. And if that makes me negative, it makes me negative. But Ezra Mignon, there has to be something different because 20% can't be what your point guard shooting for three when you struggle at other positions to shoot. Yeah, and I think that's going to define this season and the end of, well, I say Stackhouse is going to leave, but not having a score to to um, to counteract the departure of Scottie Pippen Jr. might define his tenure. It might. I mean, not being able – you bring in a guy from, from, from UC Davis who, yeah, he's a, he's a solid, you know, point guard at that level, but he's coming into the SEC – and I mean, I think you're hitting on the main issue, more. Billy, is is Stack brought in Ansong and and Mignon, who great, they're they're role players possibly, but you've brought in these guys that were recruited to non-competitive, not even really good, like 
not even good non-Power 5 programs uh, and non-major conference programs in college basketball. There's a reason they weren't recruited SEC programs. They're just not a rounded-out enough player. Uh, and unless there's unique circumstances, I think this this transfer market is, for the most part in basketball, the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. I mean, I haven't seen a lot. You're, How many transfers the, have you you're seen? Not gonna, and you're there not are unique win. circumstances. I don't want to say that there are none because there are playing time issues and injuries, and there's always going to be guys missed. But for the most part, guys are recruited where they should be. Uh, and especially in basketball, you don't change a ton uh, from 18 or 19 years old to 22 years old. You just don't. I mean, I think a lot of these top-rated recruits could step out on an NBA floor right now. So the, I think you've big... recruited a lot of guys from mediocre programs, and you're getting mediocre results. That's the biggest thing. And we're getting deep into the Stackhouse era at, at Vanderbilt here. Uh, but one more <laughs> note I want to hit at, Will, late, is – Yeah, one more note I want to hit at is the amount of guys that have come in and out of this program throughout the past – four years um typically not good um and, and you know I, I think we need to have a deeper discussion if this season gets bad enough will um i'm not saying it's going to but if it comes if the if the time comes we're going to sit down and have a serious podcast about about the Stackhouse era um i don't know that we've done that we've had serious conversations about him and 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 you know the the era uh, at hand but i'm i want to do that i want to do that so we'll save that down the road will one more guy here liam robbins um, as we close out uh, this season preview, if you want to call it that. Um, Fifth-year senior, forward Will, huge piece. Uh, huge piece of this year's team. You could argue he's the best player in this team. Um, I think he is. Um, I think he's he's the most proven player. Um, he's he's the lone, like, legitimate NBA prospect on this team. I think you can argue down the road, um, you know, maybe Lee Dort, maybe Colin Smith, maybe Nia, maybe Noah Shelby, maybe all those guys. But right now, Liam Robbins is the only guy that I look at and say he can play in the NBA right now. Um, he will. I mean, I, I'm I'm confident he will that. play in the NBA. Um, I'm confident. Yeah, I mean, he he's he's a better offensive player, obviously, than QMB. Uh, QMB, I mean, might be the better defender, but Liam still has a an, an extreme impact defensively. Um, it wasn't super active versus Memphis, but he didn't play a whole lot versus Memphis, uh, which was pretty pretty mind boggling. So. Well, Liam Robbins, um, he's, you know, we talk about X factors. I think his production this year will depend on how much he plays. I mean, I don't know if Stackhouse has something against Liam Robbins or, or what it is, but um, he's got to be on the floor to have an impact. Uh, so <laughs> that's what I'll point to. Um, you know, I think if I'm Stackhouse, seems like he said, you're going to take a backseat to QMB this year. At least that's what it looked like against Memphis. Now, knowing Stack, he'll probably have a totally different rotation starting five in <laughs> on Friday night. I mean, that's that's the way so. it's been. That's that's the way it's been. That's the way it needs to be, actually, right now. Um, so, Will, Liam Robbins, like I said, um, his expectations are, you know, be a, a scorer in the paint. I mean, you've got to be able to get the ball down there in, into him and score. He had opportunities against Memphis. Um, now, they could have gotten the ball to him more, but he had a lot of them that just rimmed out, barely. Um, you know, I know he had a couple of post hooks. Um, you know, missed a couple of bunnies, uh, got got to convert, got to finish. Um, so, well, I, I just think convert, you know, and finish if you're Liam, but also we need you to defend and rebound uh, just like you and B. Um, but it's been a mystery to me, you know, why he hasn't played more at Vanderbilt. It, it really has. So I think you would agree. Uh, so, well, Liam Robbins, what you got on him? This was my main player that I was – 
confused by. So I was confused by the utilization of the freshman, but I get I got angry about that as Colin Smith ended up playing a little bit. But Lee Dort was kind of like, what the hell? Why is he played three minutes? Uh, had a highlight block and then was quickly exited from the game during the only time Vanderbilt made a run against Memphis the entire game. But take him out. Uh, Noah Shelby, maybe he's getting back in shape from the injury he sustained during his senior year, the ankle injury. So I'll get, I'll let that slide. Colin Smith did play a little bit, get his feet under him. Uh, he ended up, you know, he airballed his first shot, but he definitely improved as he, as he got used to the speed of the college game. Liam Robbins is unequivocally, undeniably, not even close, the best player on this team. Uh, and this is my big issue with how – a lot of fans view the game is it's very simple to tell who the best player on your team is. It's who's being viewed as a professional prospect. And for the first time, why I was excited about Barton Simmons and Clark Lee is they finally reviewed or, or, or looked at recruiting like that, like how a logical human being would look at it, that the best teams produce the most NBA talent slash NFL talent. Therefore, producing and looking for aspects that produce the most of this will produce the best program. And Liam Robbins is the only guy on this roster that projects out to being an NBA player. He's got the size. He can step out and actually has a good-looking jumper. Uh, He's going to at least make the post step out. And this was a huge concern. Is Jerry Stackhouse capable of designing an offense that basically utilizes Scottie Pippen Jr.? with Liam Robbins because he needs to be receiving the ball at the high post or outside the three-point line prior to sealing uh, and getting inside the paint because he's going to draw out their main post defender because he can't leave him alone outside the three-point line. And that takes away their best paint defender and probably their best shot blocker. And if they choose to not do that and not guard him with their best post defender and best shot blocker, then immediately swing over, send over everybody to the other side of the court and single side seal him with the option to kick over to the backside. And it's really easy. And guess what, Billy? He didn't fucking start. So <laughs> this was from the, another portion of being from the beginning that you didn't start your best player. And uh, Liam Robbins is a great sport. He came in. Uh, he played really hard when he came in and he played pretty well, even in his limited minutes. Some of that was because of foul trouble. But, man, if I was Liam Robbins, I think I'd be sitting down and saying, Coach, I'm just going to train for being inevitably signed by an NBA team and working my way onto a roster very similarly to Luke Cornett than wasting my time backing up a guy that's not going to be able to sign with a European basketball team. And I think Lee Dort and Noah Shelby may be having similar thoughts sitting over there on the end of the bench and Noah Shelby having Paul Lewis play over top of him and Malik Dia. Uh, being played more minutes than Lee Dort. I'm just really concerned uh, with how Stack is able to look at talent, analyze it, because you can watch their highlight tapes from high school, and I can tell you I don't give a fuck what they've seen in practice. Those guys are just better. Uh, And you're just not seeing the right rotations with the right minutes. And number one starts with Liam Robbins needs to be the main focus of this offense. Jordan Wright, Miles Studi, perfect tertiary players to him, but this offense needs to run through Liam Robbins at seven foot one with potential to shoot over 30% from three at seven foot one. 100% agree. 
Couldn't, couldn't agree more. Um, and I think we've agreed all along about Liam Robbins and the role that he has to have on this team. So, well, let's uh, let's put a wrap on it. I got a couple more things to hit on here. Um, I don't want to hear any more young team excuses from from anyone, from Stackhouse, from fans. I'm 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 sick of it. I mean, I don't think I'm hearing it a ton from fans, but the fact that Stackhouse sat there. After I don't know who the game, what fans are you're hearing. Well, I mean, you never know with Vandy fans, but with Stackhouse mostly, I mean, you're not a young team. Don't don't give me that excuse after the game. You're not. Um, you've got three seniors and two juniors in that starting five. Um, you're in year four of your era, of your tenure. Um, don't give me that. Uh, Will, like I said, it's interesting to me that QMB starts over Liam Robbins. I've said that. The team did look more athletic. That They looked like the most athletic they've been under Stackhouse but you've got to be able to use that. Um, they're at their best, like I said, Will, when they're creating turnovers and getting out in transition. Even going back to last year, it seemed like they found success trapping, trapping in corners and dead zones on the floor. It might not always lead to buckets, but they can lead to momentum. And and when you're playing inside Memorial Gym, a turnover, even if you don't score, that, that gets the fans excited. I mean, they want to see something. If you're not scoring, they want to see a turnover created. This team feels athletic enough to do that. I mean, I don't know that they have the depth to to trap consistently. You know, they obviously can't do what Memphis does and what they did against Vanderbilt, but they did trap a little bit against Memphis, and they had success when they did that. So I think obviously, well, it's first game, but there's a lot that you can take from that Memphis game negatively, but there's a little bit positively. I think you saw some success with those traps and creating havoc defensively. I think they need to do that more. Well, I think last last part here I'll get to, the four most important players on the team, I think you'd agree, Jordan Wright, Liam Robbins, Miles Studi, and Tyron Lawrence. I think we can all agree that those four guys, I mean, the four Musketeers, they, they've, you feel like those four guys, that's good enough to get you into the tournament. Now, whether it's a 10, 11 seed, I don't care, but I mean, it, it, that should be, it, it should be. Um, I left out Q&B just because he's not an offensive threat in basketball. Well, as you know, it's about putting the ball in the basket. Common theme. All four of those guys have played a lot of basketball, and they can put the ball in the basket. So those four guys, this team's success is going to depend on what they do, how they can work together. Can they build a cohesive team that has chemistry? And, and I mean, it's, it's a big question. And I know, I mean, yes, could say we are overreacting, but I don't think we are. Um, I really don't. Um, on a lot of things we've said – and it's year four. I keep going back to that, Will. It's year four. And um, the fact that we're already having this severe of a conversation after the first game of the year is not a good sign. Um, now, they could have gotten a win over a Cleveland State by 30. And, you know, we're all sunshine and roses. But I think it's a good sign that we're getting right at this. It's hell, it's still football season. I mean, it's just compounding it right now. Um, but, Will, I, those four guys, man, I, I keep pointing back to them. And uh, this team is not young. They're not young. Don't don't get that's me. Billy. You hit on it. I think the mo- what infuriated me more, and it's a good thing we didn't record right after the game last night. That would have been five bad. of the eight guys that played fourteen plus minutes last night were seniors, and you played two grad transfers, including one that was actually out for the last portion of the game. And prayers up to Ann Song. He had took yeah. a kind of by nasty the way. I haven't, I, we haven't talked enough about him. He played his ass off. I know we did touch mm-hmm. on it a little bit, but, Will, I'm not saying he's going to light the world on fire this year, but, man, he played it at his ass off. 
I mean, Those are, he's a, he's another senior transfer, and it's like Mignon, and then you play Jordan Wright, then you played QMB, and you can't blame inexperience or youth or saying you're talented when five of your eight main players that played the most minutes in this game aren't going to be here next year. And that's the most frustrating part is, are you that dumb? Do you not realize that that excuse isn't going to work and any mention of inexperience is going to infuriate everyone 10 times over just evaluating this game for what it was, a shitty performance. If he would have come out and started Colin Smith and started Lee Dort and started Noah Shelby alongside Jordan Wright and Miles Studi and said, we're building for the future uh, with some experienced guys. And if everything goes really well with these young guys, we think by the end of the year, this could be a tournament team. I think the criticism would be much less, but you played five guys that are seniors in the top eight of your rotation that won't be here next year. So don't give the excuse of inexperience. What are you building for? What are you building with? You're building with nothing. So that's the main problem is the post-game comments did not give me the impression that Jerry Stackhouse is a very self-aware man, uh, which I think we already knew that. But the if he can't look and just look in the post-game and say, my game plan sucked, uh, the players didn't execute my shitty game plan. They executed it very poorly. There's blame everywhere. Shots didn't fall. There's blame everywhere, but something has to be said for a portion of that blame falls squarely on the shoulders of the game plan created by Jerry Stackhouse and that staff the entire offseason having the entire offseason, I repeat it, to evaluate the talent on this roster and coming out with these rotations to utilize game one versus the Memphis Tigers, that makes me question the overall intelligence and average IQ being above 70 uh, <laughs> in that echo chamber that Stackhouse might have created. Man, well, I knew this would be fun. Um, I uh, I think Vanderbilt fans will be interested to listen to this. Obviously, I think we'll have more to listen to probably our, our South Carolina recap. Um, but, man, we're getting right at it here. Basketball season's here. And uh, Southern Miss Friday night for Vanderbilt, so they'll they'll have a chance to. Um, <laughs> they'll, they'll have a chance to win. I need to win so bad. Take all this win. and make me look hey, stupid, Jerry. Don't lose well, another game. Women's basketball got to win. So so they, there we go. They, they hey. beat Western Kentucky. If they become good again, dude, you, I'm all in. Like, you have no idea. Like, and that is the perfect opportunity for me. Shay to, Ralph. Dude, it is my opportunity to be the face as well because I know tickets are not expensive to those games. And I can be front <laughs> row. And the same stuff that I yell at football game football games and men's basketball games, I know the referees and opposing players will hear it during the women's basketball game. <laughs> You're so going to be a menace. Just Vanderbilt and the entire women's basketball. women's basketball roster who I saw there sitting outside signing autographs at one of the uh, Vanderbilt uh, football games. Yeah. If you guys get ranked every single game that, that the Vanderbilt women's basketball team is ranked, I, I will attend at home. And I make that as a promise. So you give me a ranked Vanderbilt women's basketball program All and in. I will be there. Every single home game, I live like five minutes from the stadium. This is a promise, Vanderbilt women's basketball. You will not find a bigger supporter uh, if you're able to climb into that top 25. All in. I might just join you, Will. I might just join you. It's going to be fun. Gym for Dude, that drink a couple would, beers, watch some basketball. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> watch some winning basketball. Oh, first game of the year, a loss to Memphis, but uh, they should get back on track. Will, if this continues against Southern Miss, 
we might have to have that emergency press Please, conference a God, little God. bit earlier. Please, uh, we, we might have to have an emergency episode on Saturday morning or something to, to basically talk about that. Uh, <laughs> if we lose to Southern Miss, I, I'll also go to church on Sunday. So clearly I've done something <laughs> wrong if we lose to Southern Miss. Oh, man, that'll do it. We got to get out of here. Doorport, episode 189, <laughs> powered by Alaco Finewood Floors. <laughs>